Welcome to Transition Church Podcast, a place for growth and revelation. Thank you for tuning in. Now, your host, Paul the Lion Huntington. Hello, everybody. Today, I want to talk to you about cutting down the narrative. Cutting down the narrative. So I'm going to start reading from Acts 9, verse 20. And so I'm going to give you a background history of what has occurred before verse 20. Paul has just had an encounter with God on the road to Damascus, okay? He has now been blinded, set free, okay? Prayed for, his scales fell off of his eyes, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized, and now he's preaching the gospel, okay? And it says, for several days afterwards, Saul remained with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began proclaiming Jesus in the synagogue, saying, this man is the son of God the promised Messiah. All those who heard him continued to be amazed and said, is that not the man who in Jerusalem attacked those who called on this name of Jesus? And he had come here to Damascus for the express purpose of bringing them down with chains before the chief priests. But Saul increased in strength more and more and continued to perplex the Jews who lived in Damascus by examining theological evidence and proving with scripture that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed. After considering time had passed, about three years or so, the Jews plotted together to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the city gate day in and day out so they could kill him but his disciples took him at night and let him down through an opening in the wall lowering him in a large basket when he arrived in Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple however Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road to the Damascus, how he had spoken to him, and how at Damascus Saul had preached openly and spoken confidently in the name of Jesus. So he was with them moving around freely as one among them in Jerusalem speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. So right now I want to just concentrate on the scripture, uh, chapter 9, verse 26. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. However, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how Paul had seen the Lord. In that whole thing, Paul was doing damage, okay? As Saul, he was going after the Christians, he was persecuting them, he was killing them. And so he went to Damascus with the thought process of, I'm going to shackle up all these Christians, drag them down before the high priest, and then have them killed. But Jesus interrupted that mission on the road to Damascus. In that whole process, Jesus was like, hey, uh, what are you doing? Why are you persecuting me? Saul encountered Jesus, okay? And he turned to Paul. But the thing is, people in Jerusalem, where he already did his damage, didn't believe that he changed. Didn't believe that he was different. Didn't believe that he had an encounter with God. Until one man went against the narrative uh, what was spoken about Paul and took Paul to the apostles and explained to them what happened to Paul and how he had an encounter with Jesus. And that man opened the door for Paul to walk among the disciples. But it took one man to go against the narrative, to see 
Paul as God seen Paul. In church today, there's so many people who have a background, okay? They have a very bad background or they have a previous life that they had lived, okay? Some of them had drug lives. Some of them have alcoholic lives. Some of them had party lives. Some of them have abusive lives. Some of them have lives of stealing and doing things of that sort had them enslaved to the world. But it takes one person to see and conquer that narrative of how people see them from now on. So you could have been saved and people are like, oh, you better guard your purse because that person used to steal a lot. Wait, they're now changed. They're now set free. And it takes one person to say, no, they're set free. And I'm going to stand here because you know me. I'm going to stand on their behalf and share that they are different. Now, does that make that person perfect? No, they don't do what they used to do, but they're in a process of walking out their journey with Christ. Paul was not perfect, but he was walking out his journey with Christ. That changed everything, but it took that one man, Barnabas, to stand and go against the narrative, to cut down the narrative. And in this episode, I'm going to talk to you about cutting down the narrative. There's so many people have been spoken about and people have been talking about them and projecting and creating this so-called narrative that is not even true, spreading lies about them and people bringing that narrative into their home, into their mindset, and saying, yes, I think that person's just like so-and-so said. That's how they are. Not going and then examining the person who's being spoken about. Barnabas talked to Saul. And upon him speaking to Saul, he seen that the narrative that was being spun up was a lie. A lot of times we have our mindset of believing what everybody else says instead of going to that person and asking them what happened. How did things fall apart? Oh, they didn't fall apart. Oh, wow. And this is the, okay. You start to hear the truth and how that narrative has been falsely said. Well, he must have been that way because pastor said it. Wait, hold on. I don't care if they have the, the title of pastor or apostle or bishop or, or whatever they said their title is. It could still be a lie. It could still be wrong. Well, they're pastors. Pastors are human too. They're not Jesus. They didn't die for my sins. They didn't raise again on the third day. No, they're human. They deal with a sinful nature and they are able to fall or fail. They can lie. But we take the title, take whatever they say as though it's golden and sometimes it's not. But what is the narrative that's being spun out? What is that narrative? Now, being in places that we are and in this town that we live in and uh, stuff like that, we have heard a lot. I have heard a lot of different narratives. I mean, one of them is funny. I, I thought it was hilarious. See, growing up, I never drank and never smoked before in my life, ever, okay? And there was a narrative that was being said that me and my wife which was my fiance at the time, were behind this t-shirt shop in this trailer smoking meth. 
That is hilarious. We didn't do drugs. But that was the narrative that was spun out by somebody who heard he say or she said. Instead of coming to ask and asking us and, you know, <laughs> crazy? No. But sometimes that narrative causes people to stop going to church. Stop going after God because that narrative has been spun out. And some of these narratives have been spoken by the believers. See, they were disciples who were saying those things about Saul. How Saul has not changed. And how he did all that damage in Jerusalem. And that's why he's still here and he's not different. And it took Barnabas to look and use that narrative, slap it down to the ground and says, I spoke to him. And this is what God did for him. And he's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's doing what we are doing. And people wanted to kill him. And he had to flee from Damascus because Jews wanted to kill him. Y'all, he's changed. Let's give him a chance. But we don't want to give that person a chance even though they change because they have a background. They have a good long criminal history. They were part of a biker gang or they were uh, producing meth and selling it or, or they were stealing and jacking people or, or they were abusive or alcoholics or, or, or drunks or whatever. And yet we want to take that narrative and we run with it and say, I'm going to keep my distance and I'm never going to talk to you because you're not, not my type of person. I'm a believer in Jesus, but I don't think you should be in my church. Hold on, back up. Don't you have a background? No, I don't have no criminal background. No, no, I didn't ask you if you had a criminal background. I asked if you have a background. Your background is called a sinful nature. We all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Wow. All A-L-L, meaning no exceptions. And yet we want to take somebody else's narrative, make it truth, and walk with it and say, this is how it is, this is what happened, instead of going to the person that narrative is talking about. Barnabas went to Paul, who that narrative was being spoken about, and asked him, talk to him, and Paul testified about what Jesus did and how he had that confrontation with Jesus on the road to Damascus and it demasked Saul and he was now made to Paul. But in that whole understanding, Barnabas was willing to take that narrative and shoot it down with truth. Now, so many times we hear about church splits or hear about people who left the church and it's all because of them. They were the fault of them leaving because they were this way or that way or they were, uh, you know, being disrespectful or whatever. And the thing is this, as a church, we want to believe the pastor because that's what the pastor Pastors saying from the pulpit, or pastors saying from the side, or pastors saying from this person to that person. Wait, hold on, back up, back up, back up. Did you go talk to the person who left the church? Did you ask them? A pastor is human too. He has the ability to lie too. He has the ability to steal too. He has the ability to, to come short of the glory of God. His title doesn't mean that he is exempt from sin. No, it just means that he has to put his walk of Christianity on display as in watch what I do. 
hold me accountable to what I'm saying because I'm going to walk it out because I'm a shepherd and I'm going to lead my flock by example, not by speech. So that's where church hurt comes into play. A church is made up of imperfect people. And yet we think a church is a perfect place. Wrong. The only person that's perfect is Jesus. And we should want to invite him into our imperfect church. See, the thing is, the church in Jerusalem was not perfect. Why? Because they didn't accept Paul. Barnabas had to tell them, hey, man, he's changed. He's not the same. Hey, God has literally changed his life. Look, I've talked to him. I spoke with him. People want to kill him because he's preaching the gospel of Christ. Just like us. His life is on the line just like us. But it takes that person to cut down the narrative. How many of us have chased people out of our churches because they don't fit the criteria of the narrative of that church? They don't fit the, the criteria of how to speak to a pastor in church. No, we don't have the right to judge sinners. Why? Because they have no idea, but you're able to judge the fruit of those who claim to know Jesus because you're walking as sons and daughters. We're all brothers and sisters. So if my brother's doing something that ain't right or stupid, I'm going to say, hey, man, what's going on here? Because the word of God doesn't match up here. Oh, don't judge me. Hold on. I could judge you. I'm not judging you. I'm judging the fruit that your tree is producing or the lack of. But we have this thing of spitting a narrative to make ourselves look so much better, even at the cost of hurting somebody else. Hold on. Check your own tree. Let's look at your fruit. Man, your narrative does not fit because you are messed up. And you rather speak on somebody else and say they're not this and they fell short and they don't actually act the way they're supposed to act and they're not talking the way they're supposed to talk and, and this, that, and the other. But if you do a healthy confrontation, the thing is this is something has to change. See, we're called to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. What's the difference between the two? See, a peacekeeper sacrifices righteousness to keep peace. A peace Peacemaker confronts so righteousness can grow and peace is established through change. That's the difference. Well, you know, as a Christian, we shouldn't really con confront, you know, and hold on. Iron sharpens iron. So there has to be some type of rubbing together, some type of sanding, some type of, of exposing. But we don't want to hear that because we have a certain title or position. Uh, no. Do you think that maybe somebody missed it for a while? Possibly. See, a position doesn't make a person. It's a relationship with Christ. You could have the title of leadership in a church. But if you're not walking with a true relationship of Christ, you just put on a badge. That's it. There's no anointing. There's no backing that badge. I could go around our town waving the badge and be like, ah, yeah, you know, I got this badge right here. I have a chaplain's badge, right? And the badge says that I am backed by the Stevens County Sheriff Department. So I'm, I'm a chaplain there. And they acknowledge that I am the chaplain in the Stevens County Jail. I go in there. They open the door. I preach. I do whatever the chaplain needs to do. And I walk out freely. They can't keep me in there. I have a relationship with the sheriff and the jail manager. They know who I am. They are able to back me up. But the thing is, is, is God willing to back up the narrative that you're saying about everybody else? Man, I know this episode is getting good, but I want to take a brief moment with a word from our sponsors. Welcome back to this episode of Cutting Down the Narrative. Let's continue. 
But the thing is, is, is God willing to back up the narrative that you're saying about everybody else? Or he's just going to let you run at it and be like, okay, well, uh, wait till you're done lying. And I'm going to want you to speak the truth about yourself. Don't worry about my other sons and daughters. I'm dealing with them. What is the narrative we are spitting out? Is it truth? Or is it a lie that makes us look good? Barnabas took the opportunity to take that narrative and knock it all the way outside the stadium and say, this is who Paul is. God changed him. He had an encounter with Jesus. And he's preaching the gospel that we are preaching. Man, when we cut down the narrative... We expose the truth, but it's your choice on whether to walk with that truth or to be blinded. It's your choice. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, King James Verse says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. In the Message Bible, it reads from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. If our message is obscured to anyone, it's not because we're holding back in any way. No, it's because these people are looking or going the wrong way and refuse to give it serious attention. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them whatever they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ, who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. In that, it's like, okay, well, here's the truth. Here's what's going on. Nah, I don't know. Nah, nah, I don't believe that. No, mm -mm. I know my sources. I'm not going to believe that. I believe my sources. Wait, did you go and ask? Did you go and talk? Because sometimes the narrative has to be tested. Just saying. If somebody gave me a diamond and say, hey, this is a diamond, I'm like, hold on. Does it cut glass? Well, you know, yeah. No, does it cut glass? Diamonds cut glass. Well, uh, no, it doesn't. Well, well, then you can keep your fake diamond. I'm good. I'm not going to spend all that money for something that's fake, but we do it on a daily basis. We purchase the fake lies that people say to us. We don't want to go see the tree. We don't want to go test the fruit. We don't want to test the narrative that's been spoken. No, we're good with what has been spoken out of somebody's mouth just because they have a title or an understanding of, of who they are or whatever. They're in a position of leadership. No, back up. Let's see and test the narrative that's being spoken. How concrete is it? How stable is it? But we don't want to be a church that confronts. No, we don't want to do that. Why? Because it's going to cause problems and frictions. No, a nice rose bush doesn't want branches to be cut. But guess what? When you prune a rose bush down, it's able to produce more roses. Sometimes things need to be cut off. Sometimes things need to be broken. Sometimes things need to be exposed in order that growth can come. But sometimes we don't want that. And so when we are presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ, which exposes the lies and the hurts and the pains and things that needs to be healed in our lives, we want to be blindedly being okay with just living life with our hurts and pains and, and disgust with us that we're projecting on other people. We, we rather live that way. That's how everybody else is. It's everybody else's fault. And that's the narrative I'm going to stand by. It's everybody else's fault. I don't do any of that. I'm not the cause of none of that. 
It's everybody else's fault. And is that the truth? Nine times out of ten, it's not. What is the truth? And are we willing to go and talk with the person that that narrative is being spoken about? Are we able to be able to put on our uh, big boy pants and our, our big girl pants and go to that person and ask them what happened? What's the narrative? Is it true? Now, there has been a situation in my life where there's a narrative being spoken about me. Do I like it? No, I don't like it. Is it the truth? No, it's not the truth. But people who knew me rather believe the narrative of somebody else instead of coming and asking me. It's okay. It's all right. Because my actions shotgun shoots that narrative in the face. It's how you live. Barnabas was willing to stand in the gap for Paul because it was how Paul was living. See, if Paul wasn't living as a disciple of Christ, he wouldn't have a hit on his head. And if he didn't have a hit on his head, well, he might be still doing what he was doing before. But Barnabas was willing to say, no, no, you guys, he's, he's different. He's one of us. <laughs> he's one of us now. Let's accept him into our group. Any person that walks into your church, are they good enough to walk in your church? Do they fit your criteria? Do they meet your checklist? Or do they meet Christ's checklist? Living in a small town, you hear every single story about people. But are we willing to accept the criteria that Christ has given us? When people step into those doors, are we looking at them as Christ looks at them? Or are we looking at them as, I need to protect my church because people could tear down and mess up my church. Well, that's why it's your church and Christ isn't there. Christ is willing to leave the 99 and go find that one. That one who who's all high. That one who smells like alcohol. That one who's all beat up and tore up. That one who's social reject. Christ leaves the perfect 99 and goes after the messed up, jacked up, toe up from the flow up, beat with every stick. I mean, beat down with the ugly stick. I mean, just messed up, raggedy, mangy sheep. He goes after them, that one, hell and high water, and brings them back. Everything that that narrative that, that the other sheep says, bah, you know, that, that, that sheep is so messed up. Bah, you know, that I would never even step around that sheep. Bah, you think I want to be mangy? Look at my fluffy little uh, coat of cotton. Bah. No, no, re rewind. That little fluffy bag of wool that you think is nice is all nasty with fleas, and you don't want to address the little itty-bitty fleas because you're too busy talking about that one who's outside, you know, who doesn't fit your criteria. But then what if you're that one who's talking trash about that other sheep who's not mangy, who's not doing anything wrong, who's not causing trouble, but you're talking or speaking against their character and they're just walking out their relationship with Christ and it making you upset because your narrative is literally falling apart because of how they're living. I think church, we need to come have a come to Jesus party and recognize who we really are. We are imperfect. We are messed up. Stop spinning the narrative of others that we telling. Stop lying about people to make yourself look good. Stop. Be man enough and woman enough to admit I was wrong. I failed. I messed up. 
I lied about that person. That's not how they are. They're like this. I said that narrative so I would look good. Are we man enough and woman enough to do that? Are we man enough and woman enough to accept our actions and realize, mm, maybe I missed it. I think I, I think I missed that one. Maybe that person is right. Maybe that person is what they say they are. And I just decided to run their character down into the ground so I look good, knowing that it might hurt them. Let's be true brothers and sisters. Let's be like Barnabas and cut down the narrative and stand in the gap for those who have really changed. For those who have an, had an encounter with Christ, let us stand in the gap for those who need an encounter with Christ and understanding that Jesus died for all sin. Let us be the church that reaches out to that mangy one that nobody else wants to deal with and pull them in, brush their coat, give them health, give them food, give them water, give them Christ that they can make a difference to one of the other ones that are lost with the understanding of where they came from. We all have a past, all of us. Whether we were born and raised in church, we all have a past. We are all born into sin. All of us. We are born into sin. But Jesus made the choice to die for a sinful world, shed his blood, and pay the price of slavery to sin, that we may be free and to live with him. He died, took the keys of death and hell, that we may live eternally with him. The rejects, the people who are imperfect, he, he did it for them. He did it for Paul, who was killing the disciples. He died for him. And Barnabas recognized that Paul had an encounter with the living God. And his mindset and his life shifted. Ministering to the jails, I see all walks of life, and I, I see guys that could be a possible Paul. They're Saul right now, doing whatever dirt they're doing, and they could have an encounter with God and change the world just like Paul did. Barnabas could have pushed Paul to the side, be like, yeah, yeah, I heard the narrative. Yeah, yeah, he's a loser. Yeah, don't let him in in our perfect group because we walked with Christ. We did. We seen him firsthand. And so we are the only ones have the right to talk about him. No, because Paul could be like, I had an encounter with Christ. He showed himself on the road to Damascus and my life has never been the same. Now, whether you believe it or not, I don't care. I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. Bye, Felicia. And then you walk off. You know, he could have done that and be like, you know what? I don't need them losers. Whatever. No, but it took one of the disciples to see him and be like, no, he has changed. He, he's not the same. He has had an encounter with Christ. Hey, y'all, I know you guys know me. You should give him a try. Are you that one? Are you that Barnabas who's going to give people a chance? Or are you going to be just like the other disciples spitting a narrative that causes you to reject others. Whether that narrative is true or a lie, it's not up to you to spin it. God didn't call you to be right and to proclaim that you're right. God called you to love. Let's be the church that loves. Let's be the church that has healthy encounters, healthy confrontation, healthy wants to expose pain and hurt that needs to be cleaned in order to produce growth. Let's be that church that holds our brothers and sisters accountable to the fruit they're producing. If my brother's running down the, uh, running down the street the opposite direction of traffic, I'm going to let him know, hey, going the wrong way. Now it's up to him whether he listens or not. No, I'm not. No, no. Okay. Open your eyeballs. You'll see it. All right. Stop using per your peripherals. Just, just open your eyes. There, there you go. You're going the wrong way. But sometimes it takes them hitting a car to realize, wow, I've been going the wrong way this whole entire time. And that hurt. 
So I'm going to go the right way. Sometimes it takes us lowering our pride to admit, man, they 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 were right. <laughs> they were right. Man, I, I missed it. Your title or position or leadership, that doesn't mean that you won't miss it. But if you're able to admit and to realize where you were wrong and to change it, that's a true sign of, of leadership. A leader, a leader is always changing to become Christ-like. That means that they're not perfect. They're walking the journey just like you. But God has called them to be a bigger example. Are we willing to walk it out and shut down the narrative? Let's cut down those narratives and walk as true disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are out there and you don't know who Jesus is, let's pray. Repeat after me. Say, God, I'm done. I quit. I give up. I'm through. I no longer own me. You own me. Teach me. Guide me. Show me what you want me to do, and I'll do it for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord, that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you said I will be saved. So God, I give you my ownership papers of freedom and put it in your hands, and I walk it out with you leading me as my Lord. In Jesus' name, I surrender. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Welcome to your new life. Have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to Transition Church Podcast. Don't forget to comment, subscribe, and share this podcast with someone you love.